Hey, are you looking to evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness spirituality and personal growth in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary spiritual practices to deliver value-adding tools, traits, and insights to help you live your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present and let's dive in. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Urban Spirituality with your host, Prash K. Today, I have the notorious pleasure of introducing you to the up-and-coming renegade martial artist come businessman entrepreneur and coach aiden lee aiden is the founder and director of the up-and-coming fit roots academy and brings with him 20 years experience in multiple skills and qualifications within martial arts philosophy biomechanics functional strength training nutrition psychology and many other skills which he is cleverly using to coach entrepreneurs and busy folks from both sides of the Atlantic, helping them to transform their bodies and minds and achieve peak performance in all areas of their life. As he says himself, through Fit Roots, he is on a mission to build modern warriors, create mavericks and change makers in the world. And he seems to be doing a pretty good job of it so far. So would you please join me in welcoming Aidan Lee. Hey, pleasure to be here, man. Thank you very much for having me, Prash. Aidan. I'm so pleased that you're with us. Listen, I got to ask you straight away. When's the last time you had your face kicked in? Oh my God, what a question. <laughs> Not for a while, man. I've, avoided, I've purposely avoided that for a few reasons. Uh, probably a couple of years ago, maybe inspiring, but not anymore. Uh, I don't uh, put myself through that, so I'm not complaining. Aiden, you have competed. I read your bio. I know you've been around places in Europe, further afield testing your martial arts metal your mental capacity and your physical capacity to the limits with different sizes and shapes of competitors tell me what it's like to embrace pain nice so what a question buddy oh god it's necessary isn't it i think pain is one of those things that as humans we must we must endure and suffering you know i see as a maybe not so much always in the moment, but especially in hindsight as a pleasurable and necessary thing because it's like the opposites. If you don't have pain, how are you going to have pleasure and vice versa? So I think it's, it's important, but it's more of a, a mindset in the sense that, you know, to take a certain level of pain, especially in training, you have to condition your body as well as your mind. And remember the body and the mind has an initial reaction first, but it's how you interpret that is what you're going to feel like. So most people, for example, they get hit, they say, ow, that really hurts. But right. you can hold off and just control your breathing and just, just let it go and acknowledge that it hurt, but it doesn't hurt as much as you think it would. So since you just touched on it, why, why, why do we find people in this day and age living in a I can't stand pain culture? Why do we always see people masking their pain emotional or otherwise constantly instead of mm. embracing it or introspecting or questioning why they're suffering 
Well, well, basically, it's a, like any form of conditioning, whether it be physical conditioning or mental conditioning, societal conditioning, that's what's happening. We have been deconditioned from pain. And because of the cotton wool lifestyles we live nowadays, of course, anything which is marginally close to pain resembles something which is not really that painful. So sometimes you say, you know, I just barged you or punched you. Hmm. You would have been used to that. You know, if you have been... Uh, foraging and hunting and gathering and you know being out in nature for most of the day like mm. we would have and our ancestors would have many thousands of years ago right. and even not that long though you could argue a couple of hundred years ago mm. and mm. if you just go around in the rest of the place of the world you could argue hey that's still the case right now or not far off it so yeah I would say it's mostly a matter of conditioning do you think that we should find a way in today's society to embrace pain as a tool for personal growth. Massively. Yeah, massively. Because I think without pain, you don't appreciate the, the finer things. Give me two yeah. more tips. Give me two more ways for the listeners, how they can better see pain as a friend, <laughs> not an enemy. Yeah, I think first of all, that has to start in your mind. You have to acknowledge that it's not inherently bad. It's your perception of it that it's bad. So therefore, you just have to think right. So you have to say, right, mm. right, well, why do I think that pain is bad? Create a new association with pain in your mind nice. first. Mm. And then when it happens, it won't be as quote unquote bad for you. Mm. So that would be the main thing. Secondly, then I guess is, yeah, now you've got to put that theory to the test. And mm. it's like, all right, well, what do I do now? Now, it doesn't mean going, you know, get uh, beaten up by a professional fighter or something. No, not at all. It could just be for someone going for a long walk might be painful if right. they're so inactive, you know mm-hmm. so it's all relative so figure out what it is that you think you need to do which will benefit you most in your health and again just like you did with the mind thing at first create a new relationship with it develop a new experience i'll give you another example i used to hate running but now i love it i had a bad relationship and association with it i reformulated that in a new way and in a new direction and now right. things are good. i love it I like that. I really like that. Well, you've obviously accrued wisdom, wisdom from life and wisdom, I suppose, from your background. Tell us a little bit about your background, Aidan. Yeah, I mean, you probably mentioned more in the bio as well, but just to give you the long story short, I'm 26. I've been a few specialisms. Uh, One of the main ones is in martial arts, mostly in kickboxing for the last 21 and a bit years, so since I was four or five years old, uh, where my dad was my first instructor. Uh, but I've done boxing, Muay Thai, Wing Chun, Kung Fu, MMA. And my idea is bringing the best of those arts together under one roof. And I've then done yoga uh, for a while, for eight years or so. I don't do the physical side anymore, but the mental side is great. love that. And what else? God, obviously actually competing in martial arts, mostly kickboxing. Studied philosophy at uni and came back, planned to turn professional. Long story short, no money, injuries, too much brain damage, hits to the head. Some mm. other issues after a lot of umming and ahhing, decided to eventually drop it. Hit a dark period as a result because I built my identity around that for a long time. We call that the and, dark night of the soul here at Urban Spirituality. You had yeah. your dark night of the soul, it was a period in your life where you were challenged, where you felt you weren't sure whether you can hold on to something or whether you should let go of something, and mm. how you would get above that tall, endless wall that lied ahead of you but you did 
No, and I love that. That's a great way of looking at it. Because yeah, that's that's what happens. We and we all go through that at some point, whether it be career, business, personal growth, development, dreams. And yeah, that's what happened. It took me. I'll be honest. It took me a couple of years to fully let go because right. I thought I let go, mm. but then I really didn't until I had a certain experience, and then that truly allowed me to see it for what it was. I let it go. And after that, then now I was fine. I had to recreate myself. You know, that's what it was. I had to repurpose my vision, my life, my direction. And that came in the form of my, well, it was not new anymore, but my current venture, with, which is uh, FitRoots. So for the last three and a half uh, years or so, that's been my main focus. And I'm a lot more content now than uh, I've ever been, and particularly in relation to my, my vision and direction. All right, so I want to hear about this Fit Roots. I like the name, by the way, Fit Roots. What is it that you've reinvented yourself into now and why? Yeah, ultimately, what I've realized is, you know, Fit Roots, it's in the name as well. We're going back to the roots of what humans need in terms of health and well-being. And I truly believe that in the health and well-being industry is that, let me explain this short anecdote, which will help to explain why these are the roots, is that 99% of the industry focused on just the external, just the aesthetic. Right. Don't get me wrong. It's great to look good and feel good and do good. As we say, I think that's an important trio. However, without the internal software working, the external hardware will not get to where it needs to be. So what I mean by that is you have to be mentally and spiritually sound and growing and developing just as you are physically as well. Mm -hmm. Even in martial arts, just take the word, the actual phrase means the art of war. Now, Many nowadays, even most martial arts schools, you go in and bam, bam, you practice your techniques and you go home. You might bow and that's probably the most artsy bit you do of the actual session. But what about the philosophy that is the foundation of these arts? Who's teaching you that? Not many. And what about the other philosophies? So what I'm trying to do is basically, when I went to uni, I studied Western philosophy. So the ancient Greek tradition, martial arts is obviously more Eastern. Yeah. So I'm trying to marry the two together in a modern day context for health and well-being nice. that is relevant to us people and the general public and in a way that they can absorb it too. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's easy, it's accessible and it's applicable. What do you consider to be the two biggest challenges that clients coming to you seem to have time and time again? Uh, good question. So that's why I, I do this. Yeah, I'm good at uh, this <laughs> it's mostly. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's true. It's getting to the source of the issues. It's mostly in, always internal. It's not the external. Seriously, I mean, you, you'd think, right? People coming to you is like, oh, I'm being bullied. I need to lose twenty pounds. You'd think it's the external, but this is interesting. You're giving us a fresh fresh take. I mean, you know, you run this stuff. This is, this is, you breathe this and you're telling me people come to you more for internal stuff. That's really they interesting. Don't know. It's compelling. Yeah, right? but they don't. Okay. Okay. They don't know. Yeah, all right. All right. All right. All right. Go on. But you're right. You're right. They, they don't know that, but they, they think they're coming to you for, oh, I need to get rid of this belly. And yeah, that, that's true. We're going to get rid sure. of that. But that's okay. a byproduct. That exists because you're not working internally well. Okay. There's a okay. reason why okay. that's there. Most people are yo-yoing. So, oh, you know, I lost 10 pounds when I did this diet. I did this, I did that. All right, great. So why you still got it? You know? So to answer your question, yeah, emotionally, people are disconnected from themselves, from their environment, and ultimately from nature. 
So that's, the, I would say, the main thing. Se- uh, secondly, or in line with that, in parallel, they don't think right. So the classic ways my, my philosophy professors used to say, and it's a famous saying, mm. is that, you know, when you go to school or wherever else for the most part, mm-hmm. the university, job, business, most places they teach you what to think, not how to think. Philosophy teaches mm-hmm. you how to think. And most people think they know what they think. I don't know how to think about that. But most people are worried about the what. You know, but they're, they're too busy thinking about the what that they forget the how. Mm. All right. I was going to ask you something quite serious, but I'm going to ask you something. Just I'm going to throw you, throw you out off your track. <laughs> which, which is your favorite Rocky movie, Aiden? Oh, my God. I can't even remember them, man. Come on, man. So I'll be lying is, here. All right, all right. Which is your favorite martial arts movie? Or movie. All right, okay. I, I and why? And why? Give me a reason. You're a philosopher, of course. I want a good reason why, Aiden. Don't let off. Okay. Don't let. Don't let our listeners down, my friend. <laughs> Can't let you down either, my friend. So I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. So I'll give you the film. Uh, not Rocky, but just general martial arts. So it's gonna sound cliche, but I say Enter the Dragon. Okay. And here's why. Because I think uh, I think we had maybe you and me had this discussion recently. Actually, is that one of the reasons why Bruce Lee is so epic and prolific is because he tied the old in with the new and the arts with the martial and vice versa. He didn't, you know, most people in the West around that time in the seventies and eighties were very stuck on the, the, the glitz and the glamour and the flair of martial arts. But really that they were just focusing on the martial as a result. Bruce still came. And in that film, many instances demonstrated why the arts was just as if not more important than the martial side. And he'd done it in such a way with such a flair that you couldn't deny the causality of being expressive and mm. formative in the arts, which would give you that esteem and level in the martial side as well. So it was pre- pure unity for me. I felt like that was a great way of expressing what martial arts is truly about. And it's a way of life like anything. Because mostly people uh, attack because they know and this could be attack on a societal scale or on a one-to-one basis. So yeah, I'm talking right. one. yeah, I know. And that's why I like where you're going with this. You know, yeah, I think, I think you get it as well. Because people, when, when they know someone is weak or society mm-hmm. is weak, they attack because they know they can win and beat the society and or person on an emotional level. But when you're secure enough in yourself individually and or as a society, it helps you to have self-preservation without lifting a finger and that's what martial arts is about it's not about fighting it's only as a last resort you should always walk away if you can it's to coin coin, i I guess to coin bruce lee's famous phrase right it's the art of fighting without fighting yeah (laughs) there you go man (laughs) he was saying it right there so so look you've hit it you've hit it hit an important point is it not the case that a large part of self-defense is not just knowing how to move yourself physically, but it's how to conduct yourself in your daily life, mm. how, to, how, to, how to present yourself, how to walk, how to talk in such a way that you present yourself as a person who shouldn't be messed around with. Mm. That there is yeah, a certain, that's- right? Yeah, you're completely right. That's a great question. And um, I think you almost answered it perfectly yourself as well. But so I'm not going to add too much to that. But I think there's a great 
societal example of this. Have you seen the new Karate Kid? I have. I have. With uh, Will Smith's son. Yeah, do you, they're saying a jacket's a pair of trousers, but do you remember the moment where he's... I'm paraphrasing, so I'm not saying exactly yeah, what yeah. he says. You know, martial arts is about how you put on your jacket. It's how you talk to people. It's how you walk. It's how you think. And therefore, uh, yeah. it's how you act. You know, it's that... It's the bigger picture. If I'm, if we've never met and you are confrontational to me, I shouldn't have to tell you how strong I am or how fast or how much I can beat you up. You should be able to see that from my demeanor. If you can't see that, then I've not expressed that in a way which demonstrates that. I like that. So there's a lot about how, to, how we carry ourselves. And I think this is, you know, this is urban spirituality. I think that's a, go- that's a golden gem right there. The better we carry ourselves, the more conscious we are, about how we carry ourselves, the more likely we are to be received in the way we would like to be received mm-hmm. and avoid confrontation and harm, both physical and verbal. Mm. Yeah, massively. And that's a great way of looking at it because most people, as you've, you've hit the nail on the head there, they react emotionally and then physically. So if you react emotionally first, oh, this guy said this and that about me, why let it affect you? you know, what's that going to do for you? Nothing. I love that. Love that. Tell me about some screw ups. You've obviously been, been, had your fair share of losses inside the ring. That just comes with the ambitious and courageous career that you've taken. Tell me about your losses outside the ring. What have been some screw ups or a screw up that has humbled you, that has taught you something that you perhaps could share with our listeners? Hmm. Many, there's been many, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, we've got, got time, I mean, man. We've got <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure there's, there's one that really sticks out for me now, but I'll say, I'm going to say more of a, a conceptual understanding about losses, which is probably more important than maybe my individual greatest loss. Um, in my, my theory is this, that the quicker I, I fail, the quicker I improve. So I actively try to fail, not in a way that that sounds a bit contradictory, not in a way that basically I, I don't put any effort in and I do it wrong for the purpose of being wrong or failing. No, I try my best, but I just get to the end result quicker and therefore I fail quicker. And as a result, I do make certain losses quicker, but as long as I don't keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again, the next time around, I'm not going to make that same mistake. I'm not going to have that loss as a result. Uh, I would say, especially over the last three and a half years since being in business, um, a lot of my losses there have been some personal ones too, but I don't really see the difference right now. You know, business and personal, it's just one for me because what I do is what I love and I wouldn't get paid to do much else, I'd, you know, or anything else. This is what I want to get paid for. And as a result, it's, I see it as one, it's in unison. Uh, but yeah, massive, massive amounts of losses there. For me, it's, it's probably, if I was to highlight one big one, my relationship with money, and finances and trying to live in a world where you need it but not having the upbringing or understanding beforehand that hey you just need a positive relationship with it there's not anything inherently evil about it but it's how you use it which is the main thing and even though i i understood that in concept at the start it took me a while to embody that because now i use it as a as a tool and not as a weapon against me i like that do you and, and did you feel that that's what it was that you felt you were a victim of money it was kind of, you know, you, you, you felt that it was victimizing you in some way. 
Yeah, almost so. Almost like you just think, oh, well, you know, it's that whole sort of rich people are evil sort of thing. Not that I believe that, but it's like, you know, more like you think that, oh, because if you have money, you've, you've got to have got it in some sort of unscrupulous way. And that's not the case. It's just a tool. Like any tool, you know, I could, I could have a sword right now. I could use it to top, chop trees. Or I could use it to kill people. You know, what do I, what do, I do? Nice. And it's, it's how you use it. Yeah, very much so, and I think that's that's you know that's the the old philosophical example there. I really like that. Um, so, how can we use? What is a lesson for us here, listening in here? What would you say to somebody who's having difficulty with um, with money, whether it's not having enough of it, or whether it's having too much of it or an excess of it, and their character is being spoiled, or or they're still unhappy. Because mm, there's a lot of that going on, you know that for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, if it's your, it's what you're doing with it and how mm. you're creating it. I would say the two things. So one is how you acquire it, and the two is how you spend it. So if you acquire it by immoral and unethical means, and then you go and therefore then spend it on things which are likely to be of a similar nature, you may be okay uh, temporarily, but eventually you're going to be pretty empty. And feel like your life is lacking purpose. So therefore, try and acquire your money in a way which gives you purpose and purpose to hopefully others too. And then when you spend it, obviously apart from covering your basic means and mm -hmm. everything like that, try and do it in a way which grows you and develops you. you see it as like food, you know. You put mm -hmm. it you put it into your body, you put good food into your body, you get a good body. You put good money into your body and you invest in yourself by acquiring certain knowledge, by going and seeing certain teachers, by living and experiencing certain things, your life is going to improve. And you're going to have a rich life, not a monetarily rich, but a rich life of experience. And try and share that with others, not necessarily give people money. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Uh, but try and give people opportunities by things that you create. So in my business, you know, if I go and eventually, which I have, and I guess you know, I will be employing more people, if I can employ more people who will then go and help transform and change the lives of hundreds and thousands of other people, I see that as a great investment of my money. Okay. So listen, Aiden, from bumps on your face and on your body to goosebumps, tell us, tell us about a goosebump moment that's happened in your life that has made you go, aha, an epiphany. I've got one that comes to mind and we've talked about it, but I'm not sure if we were going to reserve this for a whole episode, but Hey, let's, let's run into it now because it comes to mind. Give us a little uh, glimmer, man. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I would say the first time I, I took uh, ayahuasca, I think was, Oh man, there was about 101 things in that. And I think we can do a whole segment. Uh, just on let's that. do, yeah, we'll, we'll save some for another time, but give us, give us the goosebump, man. What, what, what dropped for you, man? What, what, what happened that has set you on a, different course in your life yeah. or made you shed something that wasn't serving you I'll, I'll i'll describe it this is what happened this is one part of many hundreds of I don't know, thousand things that happened in that ceremony but this one part was very poignant so it was basically an image of a ring me in it with someone else and obviously i was fighting whatever but it's very strange how it shows you you'll know what i mean when you do it it's very your emotions are involved you're psycho psychologically uh in there you're physically feeling it in your body you're moving you're doing things uh you're there and your environment and everything the sounds the tastes the smells you can all all hear it and feel it and 
what happens this massive lifelike pair of scissors just comes into my vision and just cuts the ropes and boom and then it blows up into a ball of smoke and then and that will happen and at that point that was when i, let, I truly let it go my body just went like that would have well, massive weight, massive like weight off your shoulders or something that oh, kind of, massive, massive. oh wow yeah that's what happened and that's when i truly gave it up do you think that that was how it was meant to be do you feel that that vision showed you your a higher calling or could you say some might say that that vision was kind of trying to scare you and make you chicken out and that the response should have been nope i'm not going to give up i'm going to carry on with my fighting career because you could have you could have seen it as a sort of nope um oh i'm just not going to stop doing that i'm just going to carry right on so why why what made you embrace it the way you have done and not carry on yeah, you're right, because it could it could have gone either way. You're completely right. I think really because it was something I, I wanted to give up, but I just wasn't ultimately admitting it to myself. And you know, you can try and lie to others when you lie to yourself. Mm. So I think that's ultimately it for the fir- first point. I wasn't really being honest with myself. I was trying to be, but you know, sometimes when you're involved in your own subjectivity, it's hard to be objective. So that's the first. Very thing. true. Uh, yeah. Secondly. Uh, no, it definitely was. I think you put it as a, a great way. It was, it was uh, calling me to my higher purpose because everything else that happened to me in, during that trip and showed me it. I was already in business at that point, but it was it. It really just made sure that I was. It really reaffirmed to me that I was on the right path. But it showed me also ahead of a lot of other things I needed to change. But it was saying, look, by by doing this and following this path you will be where you want to be and you will be to the best of your potential and your gift and your higher value and learning is actually not in the ring anymore. It was just what you can do so much more outside of that. So it was effectively showing me and forging me that new path. So powerful. I, I also noted that, you know, you have nutrition and personal training as strings to your bow. So I'm sure that you must get people who are coming to you and saying, you know, they, they need to change their lifestyle, their blood pressure is way too high, their cholesterol's are all over the place, and yet they're still binging and they're not exercising. Could it be that maybe they're, they're not they're not prepared for the hard questions I ask of like all those questions right. you ask? Because that's the that's the problem is this, like, like you say, people need to ask the right questions. No, not just of me or to me, should I say. They need to ask themselves the right questions. They need to be honest with themselves. Most people are not honestly expressing themselves to themselves, let alone to other people. So how can you express yourself, whether that be expressing your body in terms of your ideal physique, your ideal mentality to others when you can't even do it to yourself? Now, when someone like myself sits with you for a consultation, yeah, we're going to ask you hard questions, but it's come from a place of love. So, you know, you have to be willing and honest enough to share those answers. And those who don't, they find a way around it and they don't want to say, that's cool, but then we're not a good fit because I know you're not going to push through. Those who do, I have people go tell me all sorts of stories about, you know, going to near death, to suicide, to this, to that. And, you know, as sad as it is, mm-hmm. sometimes those, those are the guys who are the best, the best students. They've been to the, to the bottom. They understand what it's like. They don't want to go back there again. They've been to the brink, you know, and they don't want to be like that anymore. All right, Aiden, listen, you're clearly a wise guy. So I want to ask you, firstly, 
what is your daily routine? Give us a little insight. Sure. Routines, yeah. Um, a few, gosh, there's so many things. And I, I think just, I like splitting this up. I think a good morning routine is essential. Mm-hmm. So is a good routine. Because how you start the day dictates how the day goes. How right. you end the day follows the next day. But also helps you to reflect on your, I don't want to call it performance because that, you know, that I think detracts from what it truly is. But how you end the day and the reflection that you have from that makes you feel and realize what your purpose was for that day, mm-hmm. whether that was worth it or not. So morning and evening routine is the most important. Morning, I think the first hour of the day should be based and focused on yourself. And same with the last hour of the day. So I think what does that mean? Well, that means you need to help yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. Physically, do some form of training. Mentally, you may need to do some form of studying. So I like to study. I like to read. I like to train in the mornings to get my physical side done. Spiritually, I like to meditate. I like to reflect. I like to be do my affirmations, my gratitudes, and make sure that I'm I'm current and present, and I'm here, and I'm ready to be the best version of myself today. So I would say that's the morning. Um, there is more to it than that. I can say it, but those are the th- main things. Evening is kind of the same, but in reverse. It's time to wind down. You know, it's time to meditate and reflect. Be grateful. Study again if I need to. Not do so many, anything physical at uh, the night so much because I want to get to sleep. But more just focus on preparing and having a good rhythm in the body and in the mind. All right. Tell us about something that our audience can do. Um, and that's great. You've shared about your routine. And I'm sure listeners can perhaps lift from that uh, or reinforce what they already know about the importance of a morning and an evening routine. What about some specific tips or techniques that people can take from your martial arts, fitness, wellness background, from your philosophical background? Share some pearls of wisdom with us, will you, Aiden? I love that. Okay, so yeah, let's get specific. So conceptually, yeah, I think that was important to understand that first. But specifically, let me outlay mine and I think then... Uh, people can take what they will from that. So wake up, go to the toilet, but drink at least half a litre of water. You've just sweated, you've just peed, you've just been breathing all night, you've lost a lot. Rehydrate. So that's the first thing. Next thing, you know, get back in a comfortable position and just meditate for five, ten minutes, whatever it might be. If I've got longer, I'll do 15, 20 if I really feel like I need to. Mm-hmm. Next, I like to study. I like to do about an hour. I feel like, you know, for me, that's optimal and that's good. I can get enough in. I can read a couple of chapters depending on the book, maybe one or just a couple of pages if it's smaller or if I really need to study it and it's real focused. Uh, But that sets me up and that gets me going because that gives me ideas and that gives me thinking time. I think thinking time is also important. So not just meditation, because meditation conventionally, I would like to just sort of be present. But thinking time is specifically being more philosophical in your approach Mm-hmm. So after studying, I like to do some thinking time, but I normally coincide that with my training. So if I go for a run, I'll just use that as thinking time because that's very meditative anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'll go and do some physical training after that. Again, maybe another 45 minutes to an hour, depends on what the activity is. And before then, actually, I'll do some grounding. So I'll go and stand outside just barefoot on some in my garden, uh, just on the earth and the soil, and do some sun gazing at the same time. Just like to get some good vitamin D in the eyes at the first thing in the morning helps with uh, metabolizing fat and getting that circadian rhythm reset in the body. So after I've done all that, it's time to really crack on with the day. 
I might I might eat or I might not eat for a couple of hours later because practice intermittent fasting. So depending on how I'm feeling, when I ate previously on the previous day, will dictate whether I eat or not at that point. But otherwise, I get going on some normally some green teas uh, just to get the fat metabolism up and the energy going. Mm -hmm. uh, by that point, I feel great, and that's the morning. That's pretty much done. Business, get down to it. Evening, night time. Uh, when the sun sets, I mean, I, I should be wearing them now, but we're doing this, obviously. Uh, I normally wear my blue light blockers. So again, because when you're getting artificial light in your eyes at night time, you're still telling the body it's time to stay up. Yeah. So that's what I found. So, oh, that's a good tip. Yeah, from there, um, let's just say no. So no devices, ideally, one hour before bed if I have to. <laughs> like now, I guess, or um, whatever we're doing. Yeah, uh, I'll make sure I'm wearing the glasses. Then, if I want, I'll meditate, but pretty much just read for an hour. Mm -hmm. Hey, but the main thing is ideally sleep at the same time and then wrap it up, wake up at the same time, and then rinse and repeat. Golden, golden. Um, a, a self defense tip for our listeners share something. Think right, think right, and then you will act right. I like that, listeners. There's definitely some gold in that. But certainly the ring of the mind, the ring of the mind, where the real boxing happens, where the real combat is happening. Because a man or a woman may conquer their surroundings, but if they have not conquered their inner world, they are not sovereign owners of their true self. Couldn't have said it better, man. Love that. Listen, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure. I'm smiling ear to ear. And so are you. So we've done some good in the world. Listeners, we hope you enjoy this. Aiden. Super good to have you. Pilsong, namaste. Thank you very much, brother. It's been a pleasure. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire, and empower you in your spiritual and personal journeys in life. As always, if you enjoyed it, feel free to leave a little love through your ratings and comments. Share it with those who you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our events, workshops, or retreats. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality, and we will catch you on the next episode.